1: everybody how you doing well that's good welcome to broad street hockey radio that's right bsh radio my name is bill mats i'm your director of fun and games for the evening we actually have some news like some stuff has happened Yay. it's one thing kind of big other stuff that we've just been waiting on and there's some news around the league so let's just get right into it it's more off-season hockey talk let's get to the intros let's lead it off with stephalicious d steph driver
2: oh hi we're talking about hockey in July. <laughs> Nobody else is.
1: That's cool. From the <laughs> wait, where's Charlie from? From the athletic. dot com, Charlie O'Connor. That's it, right? The athletic. Yeah, Northeast Philly. That's what they call it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from the athletic. Charlie
0: O'Connor. So this is just kind of a plea to, I guess, specifically Flyers Twitter, but also just hockey Twitter in general. The New York Rangers are going to be bad next year, guys. Yeah. Like, they're not going to be good. Their second best defenseman is either Brady Shea, better known as the guy they made fun of in that <laughs> SNL <laughs> yeah. skit, or nope. Tony D'Angelo, better known as probably a racist. And then there's their second. Or homophobe. Or home- oh, okay, sure. yeah, there's a couple be things fair. going yeah, in yeah, could be fair. anything. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Their second line center is either going to be Ryan Strom, better known as one of the Strom brothers yeah. who isn't that good.
2: <laughs> Does he know how to skate?
0: <laughs> he might be a little hey, bit better than Dylan that. Got promoted to two C in
1: Chicago today. He had, a, so. he had
0: a pretty good second half. Yeah. I'll Grant and Dylan sure him that, but then again, he should considering he was a top five t- five pick who was picked over Mitch Marner. So it's either going to be Ryan, <laughs> it's either going to be Ryan Strome <laughs> as their funny. second line center or Philip Heedle, who is. 20, and had all of 23 points last year. Like, guys, I get the Rangers made some fun things that you guys wish the Flyers had made, but yeah. they're still not going to be good. And, like, Truba
1: remains unsigned. That's true. Like, <laughs> I mean, he will sign eventually.
0: But... He, sure,
1: with them, maybe. Maybe. Well, like, he's,
0: with them, yes. Yeah, we'll whether see. he signs a long-term deal, I mean, I bet you one that... presumes he will, but with him, you never know. I bet You, you...
2: never know. <laughs>
1: I bet you the Hurricanes thought Keith Primo would sign eventually, and he did, <laughs> and it was with the Flyers. So, you just never know how this shit going to play out uh i've already i've already cur- i was going to not curse this week that was like a. Oh. I, you know right. yeah
3: it's good to have goals, <laughs> <laughs> goals.
1: <laughs> last but certainly not least the fly by herself kelly hinkle
3: so i've decided to be all in on niski and Braun.
1: oh
0: wow. you're, you're really going, I'm going the for the optimism it. Here.
3: <laughs> here because i'm sure everyone's heard it by now the flyers released a little clip of Braun on the NHL network.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're going to get to that. Yeah, yeah we're going to get to that. I won't elaborate show. too much,
3: but I've just decided that I, I think if they're used the way that I think that they're going to use them, it's going to
1: be good. Yeah, that's... My, Hope so. My optimism yeah. concerning those two is that they are going to turn everyone else loose, and those two are going to be the guys breaking up 2 on ones when Mm -hmm, shit goes mm -hmm. wrong.
2: No, you're right. Elaine Vigneault has a history of letting young players loose.
1: Uh, It's... I'm
2: just being an he asshole. Plays,
1: he plays to his team's strengths. Whatever mm-hmm. you want to say about the way those teams were coached, like those Rangers teams, especially at the end, weren't good. I'm just
2: being an asshole. I don't like, actually some care. Some of those Rangers like teams led the te-
1: league in scoring and didn't have good scorers. Like, so I-, I am optimistic about Vigneault. It's his
2: fault that the Rangers took so long to fall off the cliff. I, I let's,
1: let's go with that point I know, of view. I honestly believe he That was, asshole. I'm I, I honestly. Believe he got more out of those Rangers teams than should have been. No, the I believe it. Yeah, and I see that. I, I believe that. And I was at the Phillies game last night. Oh, if you sorry sorry it to that. hear that. I'm yeah. going to call I, I, it the Dodgers game. Um, I'm glad you had a great time. <laughs> I didn't have a great time <laughs> because the fourth inning of that game was one of the most embarrassed times I've ever been as a Philadelphia sports fan. And like, I've been beaten up by my own fans in this parking lot, like in a parking lot in Philadelphia, which is
2: not. <laughs> Not hyperbole.
1: No, I got my like, ass that's kicked. Actually by, true. I got that my happened. ass kicked by two drunks after a Flyers game. Damn! <laughs> like yeah. while
2: he was covering that game, coming
1: out of work, yeah, I I got so drunk the night before, didn't even know who they were covering. Oops. Didn't think I had to work. Ended up wearing a teal sweater uh, to the game, and they were playing the Sharks, and they lost to the Sharks. You know that big
2: rivalry between yeah. the Philadelphia Flyers and, and the San Jose Sharks. Heated. We're rivalry. not happy
1: about it, and I was less embarrassed about that ass kicking I took than the ass kicking the. Phillies took last night. And it really just, that part of, that embarrassment has to be over with the Flyers. Like, that part of rock bottom, that's what I'm hoping we're through. Like, do I think this team is a cup contender? Shit, no. But also, it's hockey, so literally the Rangers could win the cup next year, and (laughs) nothing would surprise me. But that embarrassment, that just a team that doesn't know what to do, which we saw a lot out of the Flyers, especially in you know November, December, those weird times between the Hextall and Hackstall firings. I'm just hoping that part of this little journey we've been on now, really since we started this podcast together, is over.
0: I, I do think, for what it's worth, and I, I'm still a skeptic on the way this coaching experiment's going to work with you know the three head coaches and whatnot. That said... One would think that if you have three head coaches, at the very least the team isn't going to be running around like chickens with their heads cut off. Like, yeah. like to me, the worst case scenario is that they just, they play so tight that they don't do anything interesting, because these guys have them playing such a tight structure that it's like, you just gotta do this, you just gotta do this, but like, we talked about Dave Haxtell, and, you know, whatever you want to say about Haxtell, whether you fall and that he's a total moron, or whether you fall and that he wasn't that bad thing, like, he didn't have NHL experience, so there was gonna be, a there was gonna be things that maybe he didn't know how to do in terms of getting NHL players to do things that one presumes that guys with NHL head coaching experience just by doing it and by not coaching teams that were complete and utter embarrassments know what how to get players to do
1: and like I want to I want to say for, like, oh, the other two, the assistant coaches don't matter. But if I'm going to sit here and pin uh, the penalty kill so much, and, like, the goaltending's a part of it, just not having good players was a part of it. But if I'm going to pin so much of it on Ian LaPerriere over the last few years, I have to believe the assistant coaches that they brought in are going to
0: do something no, They can't be worse. Like,
1: they can't probably... Oh, like,
0: maybe, no. maybe maybe not worse than LaBey. They can't be worse. <laughs> no.
1: I, I keep saying this. I think... It, you know, to be a failed head coach, you had to be a good assistant coach. And that's what I'm going I'm, to – I'm hoping to pin the tail on that donkey with those two for this time.
2: I, I have a lot of about questions it. about your theory for good coaches slash good assistant coaches. So bad players make good coaches. Yes, and bad head coaches make good assistant coaches. Well,
1: good assistant coaches often get the opportunity yeah. because they were, you know, and then it's whether they're good or not, you don't know, because it's two different skill sets. Just coaching the defense, just coaching the special teams, having a specialty as a coach, that earns you the next level. And then so, you get your job as a head coach, and if you can manage a whole team, is a totally different skill set. If
2: you're a bad player and a bad head coach and a bad general manager— does that make you, oh, Pierre Maguire.
1: Hey, oh, I was going to say Paul Holmgren.
2: <laughs> or Paul Holmgren.
1: But yeah. oh, <laughs> no.
2: My joke was better, thank but you. It was,
1: but it does lead us to our first <laughs> topic tonight. Paul Holmgren's out fam. So how many uh, season ticket holders didn't sign up for that inside edge thing because Homer is still there? That's my that was my very <laughs> what was the inside edge? That's their new season ticket holder plan the thing that everyone has to pay a crap load yeah. of money for for so a team get, that's probably not going to oh, be right, particularly right, right, great. Yeah, so yeah. you get the yeah. opportunity to buy stuff for a team that's not particular,
2: <laughs> uh-huh. for a team that you actively you hate, the, and- you get the uh-huh.
1: first opportunity uh-huh. Uh-huh. to spend more money on this fucking team. I, I, did,
0: I One thing I did get a kick out of this week, and again, this is just like the darkly funny aspect of everything. I, actually, I think the Flyers will be okay this year, but yeah, there, were, there was a, there was a Flyers charities thing where they were like, they were like, first prize is. Season tickets, second prize is tickets to a game in a suite. Third prize is Carter Hart signed jersey, and it was like, you know, I you can make prize. an argument that third prize is the best prize because I don't know if people actually want to see this team Does right that now.
1: Come with parking and beer. <laughs> I ain't
2: Yeah, pretty much. Like you can give me season tickets, I'll show up to some of them, <laughs> Homer, Homer. I'll sell the others. I, I I'll like, go ahead. And make I like. Profit. I like the way
1: you put this, Kelly. Homer, Homer retires. Essentially, uh, he's staying on as an advisor um, to Dave Scott. To Dave Scott and uh, Fletcher, but Fletcher reports directly to Scott. Now he's the GM and president. What does this like mean? Because you had an interesting point, and Steph, you wrote a piece about the. Uh, the, the connection between Hextall's firing and Holmgren stepping down as president. Yeah. So uh, first you, Steph, I want to get to your uh, the, the gist of your piece because I read it, enjoyed it. Oh, well, uh, thanks. I wrote yeah. words. It, yeah, took me, it took
2: me a long time to write words. Um, so Holmgren knew for a long time. Going into this season, he knew that he was going to retire. And that was leaked around the same time that the world was on fire. So understandably, that was really not on the priority list of things that you're going to talk about because... Ron Hextall had just been fired. We find out that Ron Hextall is now mean to all of the players, and Dave Hextall is still here, and Dave Hextall plans to be here for a long time. And oh shit, Paul Holmgren's a lot more involved with this team than than we
1: ever we thought, ever really. thought,
2: and like that was just not on the radar at all. Um, so one thing that is is now much more publicly known, but was more quiet, is that. Uh, was more quiet before this announcement, was that uh, Ed Snyder put Paul Holmgren in charge of keeping the Flyers the Flyers, like the Flyers. And that's not necessarily about the on-ice product, but more about what happens behind the scenes. It is all it
0: is about the on-ice product too, but also, yeah, it, it all plays yeah. in.
2: But this is a topic- We're, we're talking yeah. the culture, we're talking the environment, the fact that they're a family and-, and And everyone is welcome. And once you're a flyer, you're always a flyer and that wasn't how Ron Hextall ran this team.
1: It was not and this is something we've talked about really since Snyder passed and it's come up in the hey does anyone actually want to come here anymore because we're not like that team that is you know basically the original seventh team like it's not that anymore it's just come up in a multitude of ways and I'm, I was interested in the way you tackled it Steph because it looks your, your point was basically Holmgren has put this in place now so for Fletcher can carry on that tradition
2: yeah yeah I I guess and it's strange that they hired someone outside of the organization to carry on the the Flyers tradition but it it must have been clear I I, I don't know but it must have been clear and and everything that uh Holmgren said after Hextall was fired at the time and I, I actually wrote this um I wrote this in my article. At the time it seemed like both sides were being purposefully evasive just with the quotes that were coming out. Like um looking for a new voice, different mindset, uh different mindset. We are we're here to do what's right in my mind, what's right for the organization. Like that's stuff that you say yeah. when you're not really trying to answer a question, but it turns out like that's actually what they were looking for and they didn't know how to how to really explain that they're looking for a vision, philosophy, mindset that matches Ed Snyder's.
0: Yeah. And yeah. It was it was a big part. And I think like the big the big pushback you get with this concept is people are like, "Well, so the the on ice product doesn't matter," and it it does. Like, because part of Flyers culture inherently is this idea that we're always going to be competitive, we're always going to be pushing. And obviously, very clearly, Ron Hextall wanted to change that. And in Ron Hextall's defense, he got the go ahead from Ed Snyder before Ed Snyder passed away to change that. But what I what I've said a lot a lot of times when people have asked me about the the tension in the organization before the firing is this. When you're winning, people are willing to accept changes. Absolutely, yeah. Everyone's happy when you're winning. But if you're going to come in and if you're going to change in a lot of ways the inherent nature and this is this isn't just a hockey team this is any type of organization you're going to come in and change and you try try to change the inherent nature of an organization you better get results and you better get results pretty quickly because if you don't all the people who wish it was the old way are going to start grumbling if you're if if, if you're succeeding whether it's profits or whether it's winning if it's a, if it's a hockey team whether it's a business or whatever People who aren't happy are going to keep their mouth shut because, hey, it's working, so I guess maybe I don't know what I'm doing or I don't want to say anything because I'll get fired by the guy who has all the power. But if things aren't working, those grumblings become yells, and those yells become mutinies. And I think that's where the the failure of the on-ice product played into this because— if the team would have gotten off to a great start last year and Dave Haxel would have looked like he was having a good Dave Haxel year rather than a horrible Dave Haxel year and the goaltending was good and the young players were all taking a step forward, then no, like I, Haxel probably wouldn't have been fired because everyone would have been happy because the team was winning. Yeah. But when you have the kind of start you had last year, that makes everything that was bubbling under the surface just explode.
1: Yeah, your crown jewel. Like, oh, Carter Hart's the guy who's going to set this. Well, where is he? Uh, Well,
0: no, he's not ready not yet.
1: Not now. Proverov and Sanheim are going to be, well, wh- what are they doing? Proverov uh, well, we'll yeah, is struggling. Like, Sanheim is,
0: is, is turned into the number six by yeah. the coach who the GM won't fire.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like, it's just, like, it was a number of things. But, Kel, you asked, and it, like, yes, it seems that they're setting this thing up to kind of try to get back to the old way in some way, as Steph points out. Like, we're going to have these guys. Uh, once you're a flyer, you're a flyer for life. We're going to try to set this family atmosphere up again that maybe Hextall tried to uh, push against for his tenure here. But with Holmgren gone, that's like the last real link to Ed. Mm-hmm. Like, And it's that's crazy to think.
3: Yeah, and I kind of... It makes me think that the reason that he's decided to stay on in this advisory role is because he personally wants to make sure that he can instill in Dave Scott. If he's going to turn Dave Scott into a hockey man, that he makes him into the closest thing to an Ed Snyder type of hockey man that he can. And once that's I mean, once Dave Scott. I think, knows as much as he needs to know to be the hockey guy and not just the corporate guy. Mm-hmm. Then that's that's it then. Now it's Dave Scott's team. Now it's Dave Scott's organization. Now it's Dave Scott's vision. And, and the Snyder thing is no longer. It's, you know, it's kind of like in the background, like microwaves in space. I mean, Snyder's always going to be yeah, it's, his stamp it's, Yeah, of course. But it's like, organization. but it's no longer going to be the driving force behind what this team becomes.
2: Didn't. Dave Scott work with Ed Snyder. Weren't they working together to run the team before yeah, Ed yes. Snyder died? Yeah, he was involved. Yes.
0: With uh,
1: okay. Snyder, uh, Mr. Snyder was sick for quite a while. Scott mm-hmm. has been around, and of course, it's the freaking company that Ed Snyder started. Yeah, like, yeah. well, CEO yeah. I mean, that was that was a question yeah. that I was
2: googling yeah. while I was while I was asking it. Um, so I, I wouldn't necessarily say that every tie to Ed Snyder is gone now. It's just every tie that is, the, the, most, hockey side. is yeah. the most visible to us. And,
0: yeah. And, and the thing that I'll also say is that, you know, we talk about Holmgren, he's still advisor to Dave Scott. Like, those guys are still around. Like, they are. Like, Bob Clark <laughs> is still around. No, that's Bill the- Barber is still around. There's just, it, it's, it's a really fascinating, like, it's, it's pretty fascinating kind of what's going on with the Flyers right now because you have this Holmgren thing where it's very clear that Holmgren, you know, Found it very important for the Flyers to remain the Flyers from a culture standpoint, and and he, you know, it's it's no secret that he butted heads with Hextall on that. And Dave Scott, in one sense, wants to be like he wants to be viewed as Ed Snyder's successor, and not just in name but in spirit. Mm-hmm. So there's that motivation too. At the same time, Comcast corporate culture is kind of moving into the flyers in the sense that like there there's more of a it's not like everybody has a blank check like they used to and it doesn't really like the hockey team it's still very much like spend all the money we want to win we want to win games but it's not like you're just tossing out checks to everybody who was you know of who wore flyers colors anymore so you have this like Scott wants to be the Ed Snyder Snyder successor, but also he wants to stop wasting money on things that he didn't necessarily have to, but Ed felt like he had to because he was Ed.
1: The thing is about Snyder doing that is always, to me, like, yes, you know, Clarky and Bernie are forever part of the organization and will collect a check, from. but that's where he... They won and made yeah. him his millions,
0: yeah. Like, yeah. and billions. Yeah. Like, yeah, there was a loyalty like, there, it yeah, was justified. If, if
1: goddamn Claude Giroux wins a cup, we'll see. You know, right now I don't care about these guys in that way. Well, I'm not, but
0: that's the thing. Yeah. I'm not talking about the players. Yeah. I'm talking about like the business side of things. That like it's not as loosey goosey as it used to. Sure. be. Sure, and that's that's all businesses. Yeah, as, yeah. As, as, yeah. The but, but, but the thing is, one is one that under last... uh, under Ed Snyder, that yeah. was not the, the thing. The
1: Flyers are one of those last organizations to become kind of a button-down. I remember when Yager was here, and it was like a couple of months, and they asked him, what's the difference between here and the Rangers? He's like, the Rangers are a a business, and that's fine, like not saying anything bad about it, but they're run like a business, and the Flyers are run like a family, and you feel that the minute you walk into Voorhees, the minute you walk into the center, and it's just a different feel, and I've always worried about losing that. However, it's it's been 45 years. Yeah, and,
0: and the hard truth about it is that You were always going to lose part of that by losing Ed Snyder, because Ed Snyder was one of a kind. Like, you're not, as much as Dave Scott wants to be viewed as Ed Snyder in the sense that he has this, you know, this intense desire to win and win at all costs, and he wants to be the guy who the fans are pointing to the same way the Phillies fans are pointing to John Middleton in the offseason, like, he's going to get it done. Like, that's what I think Dave Scott wants to be viewed as, but at the same time, like, he's never going to be another Ed Snyder because there huh. can never be another Ed Snyder. Oh, God. No,
1: Ed Snyder was just like, hey, I'm going to build an arena and start a goddamn yeah. market. <laughs> yeah. And he did. Like, that was, like, that's not what you did. But I, I, I was just interested in everyone's perspective on this because it was an odd... It seemed like odd timing. I I don't know. The the whole thing was a situation. But let's get The in... whole thing in That's... fact <laughs> was a it, it situation. Was, it, like, it just seemed like this is a, a weird. I guess the everything's done now. They got a couple RFAs to sign, but the the timing in the off season to do this seemed odd
0: to me. I don't know. Like well, if you if if you take part of this, to like part of Holmgren's decision to step down was that he wanted to wait until he felt comfortable with the direction of the organization, you can make a case that, as we talked about, the on-ice aspect of it is part of it and you can make a case that the reason why he waited until the offseason was largely done was because he wanted to see if he was satisfied with the offseason that Chuck Fletcher put together and according to what he said now obviously like you can say anything in the media it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean it's true but everything he said in that in that press conference they did after the announcement implied that they were happy one thing that was that really jumped out to me and this was from Dave Scott not from from Holmgren um, that really jumped out to me is like, like Without saying Ron Hextall's name, they were taking another shot at Ron oh Hextall. And it was, I, I'll, I guess I'll read from the um, yeah. for, from the start of this. So probably one of the biggest pluses is he, as in Chuck Fletcher, is a collaborative guy. He's smart and he has a very open style. I came over to the facility to spend a day with Paul and was so impressed with the group of people we had. You had Chuck staff in there, the new coaching staff in there, the data analytics people in there. And here we go. It's something I hadn't seen in the six years I've been here. Full collaboration and everyone agreeing on moves that we were going to make. And and that was just very, very pointed. Like, like, I did not see this with Hextal.
1: That goddamn nerd over there with this calculator was even chiming in. <laughs> like, that's how I always. That's always just what I picture these. And guys the, well, the
0: interesting thing about, yeah. th- about this was that, like, I think a lot of people took that quote as uh, the interesting part of that quote to be like, "Oh, the analytics people have more of an impact." And the fact of the matter is, is that they had Hextall's ear. Like, Hexall was open to this stuff and a lot more open to it than I think people realize because he was just so damn secretive about the whole thing. Like, he listened to Ian Anderson and that analytics team. It was just that, like,
1: about everything except Andrew well, McDonald. Yeah, everything except Andrew
0: McDonald. Yeah. Uh, but, like, the, the interesting part about this quote isn't that, oh, well, now they're listening to analytics. The Flyers have been listening to analytics for quite a while. The interesting part about this quote is the obvious shot taken at Ron oh, Hextall no, by yeah. Dave Scott. 100%, yeah. <laughs>
1: now, let's get to that on-ice product now. I have some great news for you, Henkel. A two-year deal was signed. Isn't that beautiful? And you even predicted a three last year, and you, or Again. last week, and yeah. you, would, you said way you off. would be happy with a three. Three,
3: 1. but, 1.75, I said. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking
1: nailed it. Here we are. Scott Lawton uh, signed, I guess, last week, early, uh, right after the show. Basically, that was right? it. Was Friday? It was Friday. Yeah. yeah. All right. Oh, okay. So it wasn't right after the show. Uh, Scott Lawton signs two years, two point three million a season.
2: I like it. This I like. Is, it. This is
1: fine. Um, sure. It's a little a, high, but yeah, yeah, like a little. That's what. <laughs>
2: Like a hundred
1: k, like who cares? Everything just seems to be coming in a little high, right? Yeah, like, yeah.
2: And I've—it's like when I was I managing in a pizza place. Everyone's out. a little high. No. It, it's it, yes, and not Charlie just with just the landed. flyers. I think that there's definitely a trend across the NHL yeah, that, that all of these contracts are increasing, which. It's perfect. Distribute the because, money to labor. I mean, we're we're leading up to the next buyout so, or the fi- next uh,
1: lockout. I'm so. fine with it. I just see like some contracts aren't all. And I see Charlie has this comment here about complaining <laughs> about the investment we're making. And I'm not because I like this potential fourth line. But I just see like Ryan Dezingle signed for $3.375 a, a million a season. And he just had a
0: 26 goal a year. And I'm like, I don't know. Do we
3: have three point three though? I think so. After Provorov and Konechny,
0: I mean, I guess if you would have, if you would have basically decided to let Scott Lawton go, well, I yeah, mean, then you would Wait, have. So you but why would they do trade that? Trade Michael a good Raffel player.
1: for a bag of pucks? Well, like, I'd rather. I don't really, all in in honestly, I don't really
0: want Ryan Dezingle because he's a total defensive liability, and I prefer not to have that on my team. I know he scores, but I he's not the type of player I really want on the Flyers. It's just his numbers look shiny because he scored a lot of points on a crappy Ottawa team.
1: I, he was like, he's a half a point a game guy. That's something on I Ottawa, would, on mm-hmm. Columbus,
0: too. It, like, Columbus had zero interest in re signing him, and that should tell you something because they they're lost everyone. Lost, they lost they everyone, else. and they're like, nah, dude, you're good. You're cool. You can go. They'd
1: rather <laughs> just not spend any money. <laughs> They'd
0: like, rather yeah. not have a guy who they don't think is that good I because would, he's not that good. I'd
1: rather have a a legit middle six forward than not. Like right now, we have a big glaring hole there, and I'm not confident any of the kids are going to fill in and score 26 goals next season.
0: I don't think Ryan DeZingle would score 26 goals in that role, though. That's the thing. I mean, he scored 26 goals when he was one of three useful forwards on Ottawa, and someone has to score points. Like, You're- I don't think that he's, I just, I'm not that, like, I don't think it's a bad signing. But I, he's not somebody that I'm like. Damn, I really wish the Flyers would have done that. Like, yeah, whatever. Like, go, going back to Lawton though, I think the thing that really, the, the one thing that I love the Lawton. Deal. No, I mean the one thing about these deals, and, and I I really do love the uh, evolving Wilds contract contra projections. I think it, it provides a good baseline. It helps us kind of have a good idea going into the off season how much these guys are going to cost. But the one thing it doesn't do, and and they would surely admit that this is a weakness of it, is that. It doesn't account in real time for comparables that are signed as the offseason progresses. Like, here, there's, here's probably what happened with Lawton. There's a guy named Alex Iafallo who plays for the Kings, who is 25 years old. And I believe three days before Lawton, two days before Lawton signed his contract, Alex Iafallo, who had 33 points last year. Signed a two year deal with a $2.425 million cap hit. And you know what happens when that happens? Boom. Yeah. There, there's your comparable. And the fact of the matter is, is that Scott Lawton's going to going to look at Scott Lawton. I don't know why I said Latin. That's ridiculous. What are you, me? I know, right? <laughs> Just can't um, pronounce Scott facts. Lawton went into that negotiation and he's like, okay, Alex Iafalo is 25 years old. I'm 25 years old. Alex Iafalo played in 157 games in his NHL career and has 58 points. I have played in 272 NHL games and I have 79 points. I'm not taking like you're you're not getting me for $500,000 a year less than than LA just signed Alex IFL for. Like that that's how this stuff goes. It's all about comparables. And once that contract was signed you weren't getting Lawton for under two. I wish you would have. I thought there was a chance of it, but the Asians justifiably play the contract comparable game. And that contract just bumped up. They bumped up the range just a little bit. And that's how this game is played.
1: Yeah, I I have no problem with the the Lawton contract. I'm just looking at the total of what they have and don't think they have enough offense right now, especially in that third line role. Uh, Sub four million for a guy who's going to get you 50 points. I seemed fine to me, but yeah, I, I understand he doesn't drive play. I understand that he has holes in his game. And we're going to get into fit in a minute because of uh, the Voracek piece that you wrote a couple of days ago, right, right. Charlie.
0: Um, but yeah, the, the point that you were you were alluding to earlier that I was saying was yeah, that, get to that you see people on Twitter like, are we spending too much money on our fourth line? And the, the, the counter argument I'll make is like last year we had Yuri Letera getting $4.5 million dollars a cap. <laughs> and we had Dale Weiss getting two point three five. Like that spending too much on your yeah, fourth line have- because not only are those guys expensive, they're bad. Yeah, the guys have they have million. this year, they're not like, would I prefer to be paying Scott Lawton 1.5 million a year? Sure. But guess what? He's actually good. Yeah, like, so like, I'm okay maybe overpaying him a little bit because he's good rather than tossing $7 million on a fourth line that's trash.
1: That's, you have $7 million wrapped up in two guys who are... Terrible! <laughs> you have four point nine wrapped up in uh, Lawton, Pitlick, and Raffle. who are fine, and they're they're fine. Yeah, yeah they're fine. I I don't want to see Raffle anymore. I'm over him, but I know he's a fine enough hockey player. He is. Why fine. did you start hating Michael Raffle? Because he just this... represents this era of mediocrity. We didn't he's need to. Resign this guy, him. like Michael Raffle is this guy who are like, no, he's fine. He's good. I, I, I understand that he's a. A good you. You were just subjectively. Five. You were just. i with just over. I'm just, over him. My I'm just <sighs> over him. It's just you've
2: just picked him. I'm, and yes, okay.
1: He's just uh, he does nothing for me. Okay. He just what? How does he make the team better? I, he's just a, a placeholder. He's fine. He'll okay. be fine. Okay. We'll move on from that though but, and get he's, to.
2: He's the second best defensive forward on the team, but it's fine. And that's I don't
1: that's think fine. so anymore. I think there was I a do. case for that a year and a half yeah, ago. He might
0: be third. I don't. I think <sighs> and Limblon maybe.
2: Oh, Kevin, Kevin Blom, Hayes I always is, look at a like center. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Hayes. looking at his name right here. Kevin Hayes is an
1: 18 minute a night yeah, center. I, I, pretty good I hope
0: Kevin Hayes is good defensively. He was good defensively. Well, I wouldn't say he was great defensively. He was good. I hope he comes in and is very good defensively in the new system. Hope so. We'll
1: see. Nicholas Albe Q Bell, NAK, Nac signs for 700k. It's a two-way deal. Uh I think his minor salary is like 85,000. Um not waiver exempt. Do we expect him to be on this roster out of camp, even if it's as a 13 14? Like he's a and second half to be Well,
0: not necessarily. I mean, he hasn't really played in the NHL. Yeah. I, I think it's extremely plausible you could slip him through waivers
1: a 23 year old former second round pick making 700k i like if i'm a gm i just go like yeah grab him see what happens like i would not let that guy get through waivers just as a flyer uh yeah, he plays for the but that's not <laughs> the way i'm using it i am just like, he seems like a guy i would take on my team now of course it's all about who you have on your exactly. roster we overvalue our own players because we see them i get it but i i just this i
0: I, I don't want to lose, guys. I'm, I, look, I'm rooting for Alba QB to make this team too. because I like him a lot as a player. Does he make this team? It's tough to say because Fletcher Fletcher and Flair in, in their, like, availabilities over the last month, public availabilities with, like, in scrums and whatnot, they've named a few players. Yes. They did not name him. They named Faraby. They named Frost. They named Rubezhov. They named Rackliff. They even name Verobiev. They named
1: Verobiev. That's We're, the
0: surprising no, thing. No to one, me. no one named Knack. And
2: I, I'm th- Verobiev. I'm pissed off at. If you want to be pissed off at Michael Roffel, I'm pissed off at Verobiev. Oh, uh, like I didn't she completely shit the bed last I year. Not, I was not like, expecting no, so many good things from him. Listen, did.
1: did did Nak look like a? Oh yeah, this is a guy who's going to be on like Scott Lawton last year. I was like, this is a guy who can play for my team any day. Did N.A.K. flash like that? Absolutely not. Did he look like he belonged? Way more than Varubia. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I
0: absolutely agree with that. And I will I will give a little a little teaser here because I have an article coming out tomorrow <gasps> on The Athletic. Please subscribe to read the whole thing um, With where I had a conversation with uh, with Brent Flair, a one-on-one. And I asked him about all 20 of our, uh, of the guys we ranked on our list that we released today. Uh, and I asked him specifically f- f- when it came to Albay Q Bell about... Is he a guy who you think can factor in? And here was his answer, which was interesting. "Well, we're hoping he's challenging, he's a guy that when he's playing the right way, playing with energy and with an edge, he has a chance to be a useful player. He can play on both sides of the puck. He can chip in offensively. But the big part of his game is going to be his energy and his being able to be defensively responsible and kill penalties in order for his coaches to trust him. He's got the tools to play. And whether he's ready to go, we'll find out. But he's a guy that's been around for a couple years. And his time is now for sure. Oh yeah, he's 23. It so. is
1: absolutely make or break time. It's a one-year deal. I'm not saying, oh, he has to be here. Like, no, that's that's nonsense to me. And we talked last week about the mix of what this, really the bottom four forward spots are going to be. It's going to be all about how it shakes out on that third line wing spot that's open, and then you build your fourth line from there. Like, if... if If Lawton gets that third-line wing spot, Pitlick can play center. There's a lot of different things they can do. That opens up a a chance for Vorobiev to play center. It opens up a wing spot maybe for NAK. So I'm interested to see how this plays out. I really want to see these camp battles. I'm looking forward to watching this team play hockey because there's so many variables. Like There's so many things we've talked about on this show since the season ended that could go... Yeah. a bunch of different ways. I'm looking forward to seeing this team play. I'm with you, Charlie. I'm not ready for summertime to be over. I'm not ready. <laughs> That's for, my thing. I'm not ready for work to be in full uh, in full effect again, but I will say it's just so up in the air, like, these these spots that we keep harping on that I want to see how it ends up. Like, I want to see if Morgan Frost makes this damn team. I want to see if NAK finally finds himself a spot. I want to see what our, uh, you know, bottom pair defense looks like and if we're going to carry a seventh and eighth defenseman. All those things that are going to play out in camp, I'm looking forward to watching. I was I was really
2: not into Abe Kubel for a while, Um and that was due to his suspensions.
0: Hyphen. Right, right, right. Due oh, to his yeah. suspensions.
2: But he went all of last season without being suspended, without getting suspended. And that's why so... I'm down on
3: him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get... want one dirty player. Well, you can't say that. Why not? Well,
0: he, Bill can say yeah, it. I can <laughs> say it. <laughs> he can say what he wants. Yeah, I don't, we don't have to agree with the them. The coach <laughs> can't say it. Uh, I can. He might be able to. Yeah, and the yeah. NHL coach could definitely say that. <sighs> they, yeah. Just yeah. Have, they, just, they, they just have to use like say, they have to use word. code words like yeah. sandpaper and yeah. grid. And plays
2: edgy. on the edge. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's goes well, I'm hard the in guy the
0: corner. Plays
1: over the edge. That's cool.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, So I guess I'm supposed to be excited about him again, and I just don't know if I am.
1: He was nothing if not efficient in the AHL. Like, you look at his numbers and you go, this is a guy whose game could translate to being a good bottom sixer in the NHL. Does it—like, everyone—I saw some people like, what's everyone excited about NAK for? He's just a fourth—I'm like, I'm not excited. uh, I'm—it's a— 2014 second round pick. I want to see if the guy pans out. I'm glad they re-signed him. I'm glad he's going to get a shot. I'm not excited. That
3: attitude is so annoying. It's like we have PTSD from several decades of terrible fourth lines yeah. that do absolutely nothing effectively on the ice. You can have a good fourth line. And you know what? I guarantee you. is a good player. He can be on the fourth line, and the fourth line can
1: be good and do things. I guarantee you NAK is better than Chris Vandervelde. Oh,
2: without I a I have only Bell. seen
1: NAK play a handful <laughs> of games in the AHL and NHL. I can say without a doubt he is better than Chris Van Oh, what a bold <laughs> statement. I'm just saying,
0: who could possibly uh, the, the, agree? Burning
1: the
2: barns down with that one.
0: <laughs> the thing I've always liked I'm about... I'm master
1: of the hot take.
0: It's true. The <laughs> thing I've always liked about Albuquerque Bell is that, and this goes back to last year, uh, really, which is when he started really catching my eye because he didn't have a good first year in the AHL. But last year, uh, using the, the the tracking data that uh, that Brad does for uh, for Fancy Stats and BSH, Albuquerque uh, Bell drives play. And he drives play very well. And even in that stint in the NHL, that nine-game stint, and he didn't score, and he didn't get a lot of minutes, but his course he was around 56%, and his expected goals was around 57%. And you know what? Like The, the complaint you hear from, from people within the Flyers organization about him is consistency. It's that they want him to play with that that energy and that edge on every shift. And like I get that to a degree, but I question... How big of an issue the consistency is if his teams are consistently out shooting and out chancing the opposition when he plays. Like, I'm just saying. Like, and they've done that for the past two seasons in the AHL, and they did that for whatever was lacking in his game offensively. They did that when he played. In the NHL last year. And you know what? I could use a guy who drives play on the fourth line. That would be nice. Now, uh,
1: you had a great explanation for um, the definition of driving play. And it was uh, when you're talking about Lindblom. I think it was on Twitter. Maybe it was in one of your articles. But right side of the puck is a... Uh it's a term that it's it's a hockey boy. Oh, he's always on the right side of the puck. But it was something that was so noticeable about Nak when he was up here. Like, is is he flashy? Absolutely not. No. But it's something I'm looking forward to seeing if he can carry over and make this team. And you always need homegrown talent. If I've learned nothing else from the Phillies, it's that if you don't grow your own players, you have to spend way too much money to get others.
0: So. I'd li- I'd like to see Nak on this team, and I wouldn't even have a problem if he's he makes the team as a fourteenth or thirteenth forward. I'd like. To see him on this roster, I
1: prefer that over Yuri Laterra.
0: You well, know, sure. <laughs> well, I, I think, I, I think I'd prefer you Bill on this Madden. team no, than Yuri Latera, because like, at least they know not to I play get, you.
1: I get. <laughs> <laughs> I would be consistent, very consistent. I would consistent. be consistent. You would eat a lot dirty. of popcorn in the press box. I would be consistently dirty if they played me. You would not have to worry about my energy out there because I would be so scared I would be cross checking people before they could cross check me. <laughs>
2: But you do the, the Phil Kessel to John Scott, just hacking away yeah, just start,
1: just start going to town before he can get to me. <laughs> oh, my God. I got God. that reach. Uh, <laughs> Charlie, I really like this Voracek piece because uh, you are a... Um you are one of the staunch Voracek defenders, yeah. but you took a very, uh, you took a very, uh, as you do, logical and fact-based approach to your assessment. Of I am what, shocked. I'm, I'm not saying. I'm just saying Charlie is typically the shut up idiots. Voracek is good, and I appreciate that because he is. Uh, but you took this. Sometimes s- idiots need to be told that I do. <laughs> I do, just done. said I do. <laughs> I say all the time, like I'm too harsh in my Voracek criticism. Like I understand. Stand that he's a good player, and I bash him a little too far uh, sometimes. But it's because I expect him to be so good, which is fair. And sometimes he isn't. Like I think he should be a first line player, but he's really just like the best second line player.
0: Um, Just run me through the gist of your piece, and then we'll get into uh, some of the details. Sure. So the, the gist of the piece was basically that. From a scoring standpoint he's pretty much the same guy he's always been and not just from a point standpoint also from the amount of offense that he's creating whether it's you know scoring chances whether it's shots whether it's setting up his line mates for shots like all the underlying data we have implies that from an offensive standpoint individual point creation is pretty much the same dude you know just last year he was point per game this year he had his usual like jake down year but still gets 65 points yeah Yeah, like it was just normal jake what's changed and if the interesting part about it is it really changed pretty much the year they hired dave haxtell is that jake voracek used to be one of the best play driving wings in hockey at five on five and now he's just fine like he's basically just break even, and he sort of turned into a guy where, you know, if you put him with a Sean Couture, he'll do great. If you if you ask him to drive a line, he can't really do it anymore. And it's just it, – it, it stinks because, like, he used to be able to. It was the it, thing it was that the, made him stand it out. It was the thing that made him great because when you when they signed into that deal, you were like, okay, well, he's never going to score like Patrick Kane, but you're going to have the puck all the time yeah. when he's on the ice. And they don't they don't have the puck all the time when he's on the ice anymore. And, you know, he's not old. He's 29. He turns 30 in in August. But he is past his age related prime. And I think it's it is plausible to me that part of this could have been due to hack. It's plausible. But it's. Just as plausible, if not more so, that he's just not a play driver anymore. And that doesn't mean like you can not be a play driver and and not be a liability. I don't think he drags down his line mates. I just don't think the last couple years. He's been elevating them like he's done in the past. And he's at the age where you kind of have to wonder, is that ever gonna come back?
3: We thought that about Drew, though.
0: True. But Giroux also to moved get, to wing, to get well, yeah. that that back that guy back, he Victoria, changed. Yeah. yeah. He played with Duryea, and moved to And
1: that's where I want to get to now. It's where do we where is the fit with Voracek on this team? Because as of right now, I, I, I personally expect him to play with JVR and Hayes on a second line. But we, you just uh, a few minutes ago talked about Ryan Dezingle and how we have so many guys who put up points, who score, and don't drive play, and that is JVR, and it might be Jake. So if Hayes, Hayes has been a good relative uh, Corsi guy the last few years of his career, so maybe he's the play driver that can make that line go, and then the other two are the, the setup guy and the scorer on that line, and boom, we're good. It's a line that functions. But if it's not, like, I'm looking at like, Lindblom's that guy who might not put up the points but can help drive the line, yeah. and him and Hayes could be that good duo, and then Voracek when we're in the offensive zone. Boom. Do your thing, Jake. But then I'm looking at, like, man, Patrick and JVR were such a bad fit last year. Like, they just did not look like they it's should true. play
0: together. I did. I just didn't yeah, it like it. It wasn't a good fit. Um, like, that said, Patrick expect- is only 20, so, like, sometimes guys that cl- don't sure. click at one time then start clicking... That's sort of the wild card about this whole thing, and that's not not Patrick, but everybody loves to talk about line combinations, yeah. and I get it. It's the summer. We're trying to put together our ideal lines and whatnot, but number one, coaches change lines all the time, so whatever line combination you have in your head is like, man, I wish they try that. I guarantee you, at one point they or will. another next season, they will try it. You will get your chance because coaches love to juggle lines because it makes them feel like they're doing something. Secondly... We have no idea, really, how Elaine Vigno is going to do this. Like one thing that hacked it a lot was he loved his duos. Yes. you know he did, he didn't necessarily build lines, and that was but a he built he philosophy. built duos, and it was like Drew and Couturier. for a while. It was Drew and Voracek. You know, we, you know, we had Simmons and Shen for yes. a while. Like there were duos that stayed together, and then the third guy kind of moved in and out. I don't know if that's how Vigno works. We'll have to see. If it is, maybe Hayes-Voracek is a duo. Maybe he doesn't work in duos. That's something I don't know, and it's something I'm going to keep an eye on in the early season. But the fact of the matter is, is that coaches change lines so much that you we're going to see different combos, yeah. especially in the beginning of the year, because he's a brand new coach and he's learning these players.
1: No, when I was looking up uh, Hayes' like usage over the last two years to see who his line mates were, and it was like, oh, the most five on five time he spent with any other duo was a ten game stretch uh, when he was with Winnipeg, and it was that it was he spent a year and a half <laughs> with the. Rangers. And it wasn't even like, yeah, he got moved around quite a bit, and yeah. some of that time was with Vigneault. So we'll we'll absolutely see. We're going to pause for a break right here, and on the other side, we're going to talk about the remaining unsigned RFAs. So we'll be right back with that. Okay, everybody, we are back, and we are here to talk about Provorov and Travis Konechny. Uh They got they got uh, they got Lawton signed. They got Nak signed. This is what we're looking at. The uh, What was this? The 2015 draft class here? Yeah, first round. uh, 2015 first round. Provorov and TK remain unsigned. I've been talking for weeks about how I'm a little worried about an offer sheet. Mm -hmm. And then I looked at a list of the still remaining unsigned RFAs. (laughs) There's a lot of them. You might believe... Uh, if you you know pay attention to hockey, that Mitch Marner is, an, is a maniac uh, trying to burn down an organization <laughs> by not having signed a contract yet,
0: or maybe he just plays in Toronto, where yeah. all they do is talk about hockey.
1: Like, and also he's a little, all,
0: he's a little out of his mind. his, <laughs> his, his, his dad's a little, thing. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, all, I think he's a perfectly normal kid. I think his dad, yeah, little, his dad is like a little extra,
3: full Mister Lindros. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah. Ari,
1: I, I always thought it was Bonnie more than Carl. Yeah, it it
3: could have been. <laughs> they both uh, looked anyway. like they would kick your ass. And
1: we're going to talk about Eric Lindros with the Leafs in a few minutes if we have time. Uh, but what, just what, like Miko Rantanen's unsigned, Braden Point, all the guys I wanted to target this offseason. are also there. And it looks like the Flyers, as we talk about them not being in a great cap position, and I get it after they get TK and Provorov signed, will have very little cap space. But as of right now, they're still like top six in cap yeah. space. So yeah. they're comparatively doing they're okay. Fine. They're comparatively doing okay to the rest of the league. When do, like, is this going to be an all-summer thing? I know we I ask it every week, but here we still You're are. You're going
0: to keep asking, it, at least with Provy. I, I could see TK signing. Like, this isn't inside information, but uh, Fletcher did, he did, like, when we talked to him last, which I guess was last week, I think is when we last talked to him, um... He was asked about both of them, and he he expressed a lot more optimism with Konechny than with Patrick, or not with Patrick, with, with Proveroff, um, which makes sense. Because really, the Konechny negotiation should be easier than the Proveroff negotiation, which I think everyone knew was going to be tough. I could see Konechny getting signed by the end of July just because I think it, I just don't think it's that hard of a negotiation like either you go long term and then maybe that gets dragged out because you're trying to get the best possible deal or you go bridge and the bridge should be pretty easy because there's a lot of people like Jacob Verana just, Jacob Verana just signed mm-hmm. and that's a comparable like if you want to make the bridge deal if, everybody, if both sides are just like throwing their hands up being like well I guess we're not doing a long term deal this time the bridge is not that hard to pull off whereas with V I think everybody in that negotiation I think everyone in that negotiation would view it as a massive failure if he is not signed to a long term deal, which means that we're gonna be waiting a while for him to sign that long term deal.
1: I I I'm nervous to see what the Provorov contract turns out to be. It's gonna be a big one. I know His... it's gonna I know it's gonna be big.
3: Charlie's point is a good one though. I'm yeah. I'm okay with waiting because I think Provorov's ask is so ridiculous that waiting until someone who can be compared to him signs to something more reasonable, and then we can all kind of say, okay, stop asking for 8.5, you're ridiculous, and then we can kind of... Well, that's
2: the hope that someone signs a reasonable contract. The, the, a lot of the contracts that have been signed are pre- pretty inflated.
0: It's fair. It's fair. And I mean, you're basically... The, the two guys you're looking at are Zach Wierenski in Columbus and then Charlie McAvoy that's in, in was, Boston. Yeah. And and to me, Wierenski is the big one because I just... That they was were the pick after. They Broveroff. were drafted in the same year. They got their start in the NHL in the same year. It's just such an obvious comparable, and I don't, I, I, I don't have any insight into the Wawrenski negotiation, but I don't think his agent is the type to drive as hard of a bargain as I think Mark Gandler wants to drive with Provorov. And the fact of the matter is, is that if Wawrenski comes in at like low sevens, it's really hard for. Gandler who's Provorov's agent to be like my client is worth a million and a half more a year than Zach Wierenski, who has more points than my client and was basically used in the same role.
1: Wierenski has 128 points in 237 games uh where did Provorov go 97 points in 246
0: so like those two should come in around the same. The only yeah. thing what that do
2: we have in terms of ice time do you have Provorov
0: has played more.
1: Yeah, yeah. he does. Yeah. yeah. Uh Provorov has averaged he averaged t- over 25
0: minutes last year. And, and that plays a lot. Yeah. An and, and that's what Gandler that's what is going to used to bang the table is the usage. The usage is unprecedented because you guys ran this guy into the ground, so you got to pay him for it, which is an—it's not a ridiculous position to take. But aside from that, all the other things that usually get brought up in these negotiations don't really go in Provorov's favor, especially comparing him to a guy like Wierenski, and especially— Recognizing the fact that Perelov didn't play that well last year, yep. and 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 year going into the contract does matter in terms of leverage and negotiation. You look know, what I look know. what happened to Ghost. I mean, Ghost ended up taking a bargain of a deal because he came into that negotiation coming off of a really poor year by his standards, at least.
1: Yeah, uh, Wierenski averaged 22.54 last year, so three minutes, uh, more than three minutes uh, less. Well,
0: Wier- Wierenski is basically the two there. That's yeah. the, Like, they Seth set Jones Jim- is the one, yeah. Wierenski is the two. Provorov is the one here, so that's where the gap comes from. Until... After this season,
1: well, we which Travis it. Sanheim becomes the one. That's Travis. I, I like, like where you're more. going. With that. I, I, I just Provorov like
2: is back in Russia and training again, just in case anybody was really concerned about the amount of ice cream that he eats.
1: <laughs> Are we? Is that a concern? <laughs> I, I think for Stefan I was. He <laughs> eats a lot of ice
2: cream. I respect the hell out of it. I'm not concerned about it.
3: Twenty-three year old athletic men can eat all the ice cream they you want. Nothing so fine. much I ice have... cream, and I. One,
2: his
1: life, I, like I you have... do you babe oh i have no issue uh farabee was at um Cheesecake place stake em up. Yeah, steak steak him up yeah oh, was steak he really up. went to yeah, south philly yeah he went yeah. to
2: stake them up wow wow like, that's, that's a neighborhood place i yeah. am so
1: proud what's that like 10th like you're right there. it's it was right <laughs> near where i used to yeah.
2: live like right on 10th and shunk it's off of oregon well, i yeah. see
0: enough commercials for it on flyers games and phillies games good for
2: you frisbee well he's
0: his family is originally from the area so that might be the like he might have got a recommendation from a family member to go to steak them Up. That's it's
2: good a stuff. good cheese. It's day. good, man. It's
0: they have a good,
1: good cheese. They have everything good there. My buddy lives like right next. Do to Do they me.
2: have fried mac and cheese? I feel like they do. I couldn't tell you. I feel like they do. I used to order from them a lot. Good, good job, Frisbee.
1: All right, we have <laughs> uh, we got like ten minutes left, so let's do this Justin Braun thing. Um, Kelly, did you listen to this? Here? I did that. Yeah. So what's up with Justin Braun? How we liking him? Are no, we was- liking him?
3: The conversation was pretty general. It wasn't completely Flyers focused. He talked a lot about how um, when he got signed or when he got, yeah, when he got signed that he um, called JVR because apparently they skate together in Minnesota a lot during the off season. So Are he's familiar in the with... the league? Maybe. Yeah. So they're, they're friendly. So he's got a little connection there. Um, apparently Pitlick's mom lives down the street from him, in Minnesota, which <laughs> Pitlick, is also kind of so fine. good. I know. <laughs> um, and, and wh- when they got to the flyers talk, it, essentially what he talked about was the fact what we've kind of speculated about what his role is going to be here, taking one of the young kids and helping them on the defensive side of things. So kind of teaching them how to play better defense specifically and also it can be inferred playing defense while they're wheeling up in the front, which is good. And I, he, I mean, it just kind of seemed like he understands that his role is to mentor these young defensemen. And I don't think that's a bad thing to have for these kids.
0: It's interesting you say that, though, because after he was after the trade happened, Great, when I mean. we got him uh, for uh, for availability, he kind of said something not like that.
3: No, oh, maybe he got told. Yeah, well, he's basically <laughs> said that,
0: like, Fletcher had told, let me see if I can find the quote.
1: I remember the quote was basically, I was told I'm here to play, not, yeah. I'm, I'm not a coach. Yeah, let me like, see if I can the find the yeah. quote here. Uh, mm-hmm. I just look at the way this defense, and that's, I'm inferring that they're going to turn Provorov and Sandheim loose, and... You, and Niskanen and Braun are here to kind of just break up 2 on ones yeah. like, Just based on what I think this defense—like, looking at the way it's built, yes, this makes sense. Yeah. So I, I think yeah, here's, it's, it's, here, it's a little here, bit of both. Here's, yeah, the, here's, here's the, the, the quote. quote.
0: It was—I um, I think I may have asked this question. It was like, was that something that Chuck had mentioned? Because obviously a GM talks to the guy he just traded for when you get an yeah. acquisition. Um, was that something Chuck mentioned with you? You're stabilizing force with with those guys. And he said, yeah, a bit. He said, I don't want you to be a mentor. I want you to be a player. That's important. I'm there to play, not just to take care of guys. Whatever I can teach them, I will. But what I learned from Jumbo, Pavelski, Bernsey over the years, how to be a good pro, what you need to do day to day and day in. Hopefully, I can show them a bit of that. But they've got good leadership there. They've got Giroux. He's wow. been there forever. He's one of the best in the game. They've got good guys around. But anything I can try to help them with, I will. Like So, yeah, I mean, there's there's a leadership aspect there, too. But it." This doesn't strike me as a like we got you just to be a mentor. Yeah, yeah they think he still got stuff left in the tank.
3: Yeah, from today it was hopefully I can fit in with one of them. Speaking of the Flyers, young skilled defensemen help them defensively. Defensively, help them get where they need to be defensively.
1: And if he's if he is like new Andrew McDonald, like yes, we are going to use you and perhaps overuse you. At least like him and Niskanen are guys with experience they can actually draw upon. Like what did Andrew McDonald learn in his time with the Islanders that he was like. The, the sell off Islanders that he was able to pass along to these youngsters. Like, at least these guys have been on playoff runs, have gone to Stanley Cup finals, have one of them has won one. Like, at least if they're going to be the, the, the stabilizing force, they actually can do that, I assume, because they have more experience.
0: I, I think the positive way, if, if this makes sense, the positive way to look at the worst case scenario for the defense is this. It's that if Niskanen is bad, he basically just stepped in for McDonald. Yes. And if Braun is bad, he basically just stepped in for Haig. And Myers basically stepped in for Gudis. So, like... It, it, it's not ideal if Niskanen and Braun are bad, but the fact of the matter is is that McDonald and Hague were bad last year. So you're basically just replacing bad with bad. Well, McDonald was okay last year, but he was okay in like a third pair role. Haig was bad. So you're basically replacing bad Haig with bad Braun, which sucks. Obviously, I ideally, you'd like to improve that spot. But... From a net standpoint, you're not losing a lot. And then obviously we have high hopes that Phil Myers, hopefully, will be more valuable than than I guess we'll see, but that's the hope. I think we, we all like his skill set.
1: Yeah. Uh, I want to get to this because it's so damn funny. Uh, and we, we haven't done an ice sport in so long. I tried to get a little bit of around the league stuff in. This week in stupid shit people are mad about.
2: Uh, oh, I like that- this.
1: Ken Campbell is oh, upset God. that um Robbie Fabry let um his dog eat out of the Stanley Cup. A baby shit in it. <laughs> Probably more than
3: one. I just
2: like I, I'm pretty I, I sure think, men
0: have shit in yeah, it. Like, like, been, yeah, like if we're just
3: going with baby,
2: like that's conservative. Listen. I'm pretty sure there has been vomit urine feces. Every bodily I would, fluid. If scene I and, won the Stanley oh, yeah. Cup, so I
1: would bang it. I would figure out a way to bang it. That's people it have touched it with their dicks for I, sure. I they mean, won't 100%. even let me fuck the cup. I, I mean, let's
0: let's be realistic <laughs> Balls here. In I don't think I don't think I've played a game of Kings in like six or seven years. If I won the cup, we're playing the most epic game of Kings Cup ever.
2: <laughs> and
0: that's
1: just alcohol.
0: That's yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. it could be. Theoretically, <laughs> theoretically put all the stuff in there Uh-oh.
1: He went on this like Twitter <laughs> He went on this like Twitter rant about I thought this was about respecting the cup Why did you think that? Yeah. It's about having the best fucking time imaginable Every picture of the guys Taking the cup
3: home, there's always something Absurd that they're doing with Mario it Mario Lemieux lost it They had to drain his pool to fucking find it More than one person <laughs> has dented it yes. How big of
1: a pool did he have? It's Mario. Well, I guess that's probably good. a big pool. <laughs> the Penguins could no longer afford to pay him, so they gave him the team. I'm assuming he had quite a pool. <laughs> there, there's more than
2: one cup, also. Like, well, there's one that the stays
3: way. in the museum, there's and
1: then there's the, the one there's that goes the whole around. There's a Hall of Fame yeah. one. There's some replicas. There's three. But yeah, I think the there's... one they give the players is the one that they just just pass around. Yeah,
2: there's there's three cups, and like there's been dairy products inside. Like there's, <laughs> I mean, also it's going to be like, it's, it's probably the
3: grossest thing, but how it's got to be I mean, sterilized. I was going to oh, say, yeah. like yeah. They, they clean, clean it. it. Like Charlie could poop on this table right now. If you clean it well enough, there's no poop on it anymore. I you don't can want to clean eat things it, up. You can clean things. Things don't, can be clean. dog don't, spit is the least of your worries. Yeah. Like,
2: fucking seriously, like let's get back to the topic at hand here. For, for, Dogs ate meatballs out of the Stanley Cup, and Ken Campbell has his panties in a twist.
0: For the record, I don't plan to poop on the table. You, I know. Way. Just say if,
2: if I mean, you let's have get a, crazy.
1: If you have a problem with like <laughs> this, just wait till you hear about uh, the plates you eat off at restaurants. Yeah,
3: right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like
2: restaurants. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. No don't restaurants tell me. are
1: just dirty. Yeah, they're just. Dirty places, and then you wash stuff, and it gets clean.
3: Everybody like, has licked that plate. It's a people goddamn, have put things on it. It's a naughty nose. Things. Like, it's I, like I just, things can be cleaned. His, his is the point. I thought this was about respecting the trophy. No. I thought it was about having the it's best about party imaginable. Fun. Yeah,
2: and people. Alexander are- Ovechkin absolutely fucked the cup. He, he put
0: his balls in it at least I, I loved i forget who somebody retweeted this on my time it made me laugh because somebody's like alexander ovechkin definitely fucked the cup and then somebody oh, someone, somebody quote sh- sh- tweeted and was, says no alexander ovechkin made love to <laughs> <laughs> like, That is awesome. With that, dude, with that dude who uh bashed
1: him about how he's not a winner's tweet
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm sorry for whoever i plagiarized with that joke <laughs>
1: I think it was uh I think it's drill so it's okay. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Uh and real quick here, uh William Nylander continues to just deface the legendary Cupless. The uh, worst player to ever play Toronto Maple Leafs. He he's he switches his number from 29 to 88 and people are upset about this because Toronto legend Uh, Eric Lindros, (laughs) who played 33 games. I always
3: forget that he was a leaf. It's the weirdest. Like, it was a very small. I remember him
1: more with Dallas. Yeah, yeah. I I, I do remember uh Dallas more. He he played the second to last year of his career. Played 33 games, scored 22 points, and people are upset about this. I I think people just just, don't like William Neal. They just don't like Neal. That's what it boils down to. Like I.
2: Oh yeah, people are real pissed off at Nylander, but wait until Mitch Marner signs a a big contract and it it makes them trade away somebody else just to fit him in, and then he starts slow. Everyone is going to turn on Mitch Marner. If he starts slow after making them lose someone else that they love...
1: I actually thought this was really cool because he tw- uh, Neander tweeted like anyone he's who has pay a for it. anyone who has a 29 jersey can take it to some sports shop and he's paying for oh, that's it. Cool. That's amazing. Like, I didn't see that. You can get neat. it re and uh, boom, those 29s come off, the 88s go on. 88s a cool number. Like I just it is cool. it's I you know, it's it not actually, like it's a sacred number anymore. No. These things are over with. Like
0: guys wear 66 but well, and it's and it's also like I, as much as this kills me and this, this really does kill me. Like we obviously think of eighty-eight as Eric Lindros' number. There's an it's entire Patrick generation that's going to grow up thinking eighty-eight is Patrick no, Kane, but Patrick not, and that Kane's sucks. Number. But it's the truth. Yeah. But
3: speaking yeah. of Patrick Kane, it kind of makes me a little bit happy that there are so many guys in that generation who wear eighty-eight. No, there's presumably like, because does, does like,
0: Pasternak wear eighty-eight? There's I think so.
1: There's somebody else who wears eighty eight and it's like he's not a star player by any means. Like it's just an the doubles, yes, when Chris Grattan took on seventy seven and fifty five, it was like dog doubles are for the greats. Yeah. It's not that way anymore. It just it just isn't. And as much as I wish it, like, yeah, some traditions are cool, but this is over with. Like, Hosang's wearing 66, who, and that's fun. Who, ca- who cares? Like, yeah, it's just... Of it's, all the things. It really is just, it's Toronto, and they're mad at yes. Newlander. All right, guys, that's all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you all so much for hanging out. What?
2: I was trying to think if I had anything to announce. Oh, okay. You, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking. I mean, good. I th- I thought that there was something.
1: I am just so hungry. I'm out of it at this point. Like I thought that there face. was so something, I was like, but I on?
2: don't, I don't.
1: That is, all nope. the, that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thanks okay. for hanging out. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Listen to Marks and Stripes Radio. My name is Bill Matz. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about